Welcome to The Rise. I'm your host, Mark Basil. This is the podcast where we talk industry, we talk business, we talk shit, we motivate, and we get things done. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to episode number 9 of The Rise. Real quick, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to take it back a week. I want to thank everybody who tuned in last week, episode 8, and who's actually been following us straight through over the last 8 weeks. Guys, thanks so much. We are growing every week, and I can't do it without your help. So I do greatly appreciate your time, uh, your support, and listening to, to the show. Last week was a... Uh, an episode I had threw together in an effort to stay consistent. I had a lot on my plate last week, uh, having performed a one-man show on stage last Saturday and in preparing in that. So I, I didn't get to interview my guest, uh, Freddie Gano, for last week's episode. We do have him coming up on this week's episode, but uh, I want to thank everybody who's been patient with me, who's been really helping me build this up, uh, this show up block by block, brick by brick. Uh, it's really been a very fun experience for me. It's also, uh, it's been a pleasure to produce and motivate and inspire and come up with different concepts to kind of throw together, uh, put out over the internet, uh, produce. It's really been a lot of fun for me. Last week's episode, I talked about uh, how dreams can come full circle in life. And it was an episode that I had done that kind of revolved around my one-man show and how it came from concept as a film to a one-man show on stage and how I was having so much fun going around and performing it, uh, especially last week, which was um, it was a performance being done for my high school drama department, uh, one of which I was very heavily involved with when I had attended school there. So everything went great last week. It was such an honor and very nostalgic for me to get up on that stage, and um, which a stage I had been on many times before, just not any time in the last 20 years. But it, it was very cool to be on that stage again in my hometown, kind of bring everything back home and share my my creativity with, with the people who I was surrounded with back when I was kind of envisioning uh, what the rest of my life was going to be like. So it was very, very, very nostalgic. It was amazing. It was a lot of people I haven't seen in a very long time. So thank you, everybody who came out. Thank you, everybody who supported me, the arts, the drama department. Really, truly appreciate it. You guys are awesome. You guys rock. Um, so glad all the feedback I had gotten back. So glad that everybody who attended... And, and and watch the, the show, really, truly enjoyed it, uh, meant a lot to me. And thank you most of all to the Gilbert School and everybody involved for giving me that stage to, to help out and perform on. So, guys, that was last week. You can go back and listen to that. That's episode number eight, Dreams and How They Come Around Full Circle in Life. This week now, guys, we are going to dive in to episode number nine with my guest, my developmental partner, my creative hand, the one man I throw a ton of shit at, a ton of ideas that just roll through my head at a million miles an hour. And this is the man that kind of takes the time and helps me sift through everything and figure out what's worth creating, what's worth the time to pursue, what's worth the time to develop. So this guy is uh, 35 years in the Screen Actors Guild, very talented actor, very heavily trained, very well trained, a lot of opportunities he's had in his life, different people he's come across and met, uh, relationships that he's been fortunate enough to build and curate over his 35-year career, and not to mention him and I 
how we got to know each other, uh, how he was a huge instrumental part when I was doing the, the Good Fight trailer for our crowdfunding campaign, and how him and I became uh, best buds in the biz. Guys, without further ado, let's get episode number nine rocking. My dear friend, my guest today, Freddie Gano. On the phone with me right now is Freddie Gano, very good friend of mine, creative partner and producing partner of mine. We'll get into a little bit about that later on. Right now, Freddie, I got you on the phone. You've been a Screen Actors Guild member since 1984. So you were born and raised in Philadelphia. Correct. So tell me about that. Tell me what it was like growing up in Philly back then and and how you got into acting, how you knew that was your calling. Well, let me give you a little backstory of how we got to Philadelphia, if you want to hear that one. So sure. originally my family's in New York City, which my professional name is Gano, but my legal name is Mangano. What happened was the Manganos landed in, in New York from Anna Sicily. How we got to Philadelphia was a was a was a story on its in its own right, which we might want to write about this one day, Mark. Two brothers married two sisters. My grandfather and his brother married my grandmother and her sister. My grandfather, however, fell in love with my grandmother, who was sixteen years younger than he was. So his name was Alfio Mangano. I'm actually named after him, Alfred. So and my my grandmother, uh, um, her name was Mary Sampieri. My grandfather worked in my grandmother's um, uh, father's grocery store uh, down on Mulberry Street in the village years and years ago. That's where he set up, uh, you know, his family from and his Sicily. So my grandmother was 16. My grandfather was 32. They met while my grandfather was working with her at, uh, um, you know, my grandmother's father's grocery store. So... Uh, basically, they fell in love, but they couldn't get married there because it was forbidden. Uh, my Uncle Tony, which was my grandmother's brother, said to my grandfather, and he threatened him, don't go near my sister, I'll kill you. He said those words. Okay. One night, my grandmother and grandfather eloped. My grandfather took her in his car, and you know she agreed to marry him. She was, she was in love with him. She wanted to marry him. He, they fled here to Philadelphia from New York City. By the time my uncle Tony, my uncle Tony found them, my grandmother's brother, they were already married, and she got between them. My my grandfather almost got shot by my grandmother's brother, my uncle Tony. Uh, basically, well, not my uncle, but I don't know who he would be with it. Anyway, her brother uh, almost, you know, killed my grandfather over it, but. Uh, they set up shop here. My grandmother and grandfather stayed here. Everybody made amends, and they made a life here in Philadelphia. And here I am. From my father being born, he married my mother. And uh, so the man- the rest of the Manganas are in Philadelphia here. So you, what was it like growing up in Philly? How was your upbringing in Philadelphia? Because back uh, then, I don't know about now, but back then, you know, there were very large mafia ties in Center City, Philadelphia back then that were connected yeah. to the New York organized crime family. Uh, like, right. did you Did you witness any of that? Did you, like, was that yes. a known culture in Philadelphia like it was here in New York? Like, in New York, you know, if you had seen John Gotti walk down the street, you knew it was John Gotti. 
Was it like that mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, or were things a little bit more quieter and done a little bit more discreetly? No, absolutely not. My gran- my grandmother, my mother lived around the Italian market, uh, which was, you know, on Ninth Street in South Philadelphia. So there were a lot of uh, mafia mafia guys there, uh, uh, Phil Testa, South Testa, those types of guys who are dead now. Around the corner from where we lived at Edward McKean was uh, Angelo Bruno, and he was the Don of Philadelphia. And he was, you know, we all knew him. He would walk down the street. Um, he had a, he, he had a, he drove an old car. He was a nice man. He was called the Gentle Don, if you remember. And he was in Philadelphia. Of course, he was, had the strongest ties to New York City. And, um, basically we would, uh, I, I was, I, I grew up in that culture and a lot of friends of mine and, um, members of some, my, some of my family members are uh, in that way. Uh, however, I am not because my father made sure that we all went to school and after that we went to work. So uh, my father made sure and he, he kept us out of that type of situation. However, I stayed on the corner of Ninth and Morris and I was with a little bit of a, uh, I was a gang for, for, for a little while in my younger life from the years of maybe 16 to 19 years old. What I did, uh, there was a, there was a crime family called the Rickabennies. We actually sold guns and licenses, illegal licenses and guns, uh, to other people in the neighborhood. I was a gun runner and a license runner. What the fuck? Yeah. So Are you my serious? Friend, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. I from, never knew from, that. No. Well. Well, I mean, I guess it's yeah. something you don't talk about very often, right? But. No. No. So I, I did that for a little bit, um, but I also worked in my father's auto body shop, Johnny's Auto Body. Um, after after some time, uh, my father started to understand that I was staying around that area uh, a little too much, and I was I was I got into a little trouble, um, and uh, I basically uh, it was going to go one way or another. I was either going to get killed. Three of my friends were were, were shot and killed. Uh, Larry Famosa, Ronnie Martinez, uh, um, uh, and basically um, I got out of that life and I went into uh, my father's body shop and worked for him uh, and also went to school and then also went off to uh, college after that. But it was a little, it was touch and go for a little while because uh, I was in a, I was in a tough situation. My friends, you know, uh, quite a few of my friends you know, join different mob factions, and, um, you know, they're dead now, unfortunately. And that was my younger life. But I, but I also had a good, nice, wonderful child life, you know, a younger life when I was growing up around McKean Street, Mildred Street in South Philadelphia. It was, it was like a, you know, we're, we're like in a mini New York City, you know. Right. So it's but a, you know, you know, it's funny. Uh, when, when you were talking about that, when, when, when you were talking about being younger and hanging out on the corner, uh, yeah. immediately what came to my mind was the quartet in uh, Rocky 1 <laughs> standing around the trash bin yeah. on the fire. Yeah, take nothing like that, guy. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Actually, I was the only one that went into show business from, from the corner. Uh, how did that happen? I was, how did that happen? I'll tell you how, how did it that happened. happen. Like, when did you know... When did you know, like, I knew at a very young age, 
you know, I, I knew six years old, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, I, I had Mike Massimino on the show, a very good friend of ours. I had yeah. him on the show a couple weeks ago. He knew at a very young age. He just didn't yeah. get started until much later. Uh, yeah. When did you know? Like, <laughs> not so much when did you start taking it seriously. When when did you know you were bitten by the bug? Oh, man, I was seven or eight years old. Do you know what they used to come around? Do you, did you ever hear of summer stock? Well, summer stock is when you – you do plays in the summer yeah. uh, yep. air, when school's over and you know, people come around. Well, there was this little truck, believe it or not, I was about seven or eight years old. There was this little truck that would come around and put on little shows on Darien okay. Street. And I, I'll never forget it. And they pulled me up and, you know, I, I did a little bit with them. And, uh, you know, the school had plays and I would, you know, you know go out for plays and stuff like that. But not until that thing happened around my neighborhood. And I said, wow, this is, there was just a feeling that came over me. I knew, I knew that I wanted to act and sing. And, uh, from then on, I basically watched actors, uh, on stage in, in television. I mean, at a young age, at eight years old, I was watching television, like I'm studying actors, not for watching the, the, the show to be entertained. And at the age right. of, by the age of 15 or 16, there was a show called Beretta, Robert Blake. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, well, Beretta. When I, when, I, when I used to watch Robert Blake, which to me is a fabulous actor, forget what happened to him. However, I think he was fabulous. I enjoyed that show with my brother David, and, you know, and we used to watch it faithfully. And, you know, I said, I really like to do this. I really like to, you know, be an actor. So I uh, you know, enrolled in one of the schools, uh, Weiss Barron School in Center City, uh, Philadelphia. And then Weiss after Barron? that... Did you say Weiss Barron? Did you say we, I'm Weiss, sorry to cut you off. Weiss Barron? Weiss Barron, yeah. Mm -hmm. I went to yeah. Weiss Barron on West 45th Street in Manhattan. I was like basically my, from the time I was 6 to the time I was 20. Yeah, I went there as well. I went there as well. I, I didn't realize they had Weiss Barron. I didn't realize there was a Weiss Barron oh, yeah. in, oh, yeah. uh, in Philadelphia. Are you kidding me? There's one in Atlantic City. There's one. There's one in Philadelphia. Uh, then uh, an agent picked me up, Suzanne De Laurentiis. Uh, she worked. She worked out of that office. And then I went to uh, uh, New York City. I studied with Michelle Benedict from the Actors uh, uh, Actors Theater. Uh, and then I studied a little bit um, right off. Oh, I, I studied uh, with uh, Ted Barty for a while. But I was, uh, oh my goodness, um, I, and then I went back to Philadelphia and studied at the Wilma Theater Institute uh, for about four years, and I studied under Irene Beard, who was with the University of the Arts. So, um, and then after that, uh, it took me to California, where I lived for a while, and I studied with Bob Monroe at Monroe Institute. Uh, so, so uh, let, let me let me let me stop you for a second, Freddie. Yeah. How? How receptive was your your family with all this? Your father, I mean, you know, you grew up in a tough time in, in Philadelphia. You were yeah. involved in some shady shit back in the day. Uh, you know, you, you've seen things, you've witnessed things. Your father's obviously not oblivious. You know, he knows what's yeah. going on around the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Uh, did he know what you were involved in at a young age? Uh, 
not most of the time, but there were there were there was a time where I got caught with a gun. Uh, I actually had a license to carry a gun, uh, 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 firearms. I got arrested one time going to 30th Street Station for coming to. I had an audition in New York City. I was about 18 years old, and I at the time had. Thankfully, I had a legal firearm with me, but I didn't have my license with me, my my carry license. So this is how my father basically really gave it to me. So I got caught and I got arrested for 24 hours. So instead of going to my audition, the only audition I probably missed in New York City in the 33 years that I'd been in this business, I never made it. So I got arrested. My father was livid. He was crazy. And he knew what I was doing. And, you know, I, I, I let him know. And he gave it to me both barrels. And he says, you know, it's one way or another. Either you get out of my house or, you know, and, and go on your own or just work with me, uh, study what you want, do what you want, but uh, I don't want you around that corner anymore. And, and my father was really out of his mind about it. My mother, she was basically didn't want to hear it, but uh, she was all for me. But... Uh, then I guess the acting bug really, really, really took over, and I knew that I wanted to be an actor, and I and I became an actor, you know, and I, I just wanted to stay in the business and whatever else. My father, uh, my, uh, look, I would I would go on an acting gig, come back, my father said, Dad, let me tell you about this. Yeah, okay, good. Boom, put that fender on. All right, yeah, Dad, okay. my father, okay, he was okay, but he was all he was all business. He he loved running his my father loved his business the auto body shop that he had like i love acting he was he was uh, that's what he wanted to do so so my brothers and myself we had it was a family business it was beautiful uh oh it was great and and you know christmas time my father had a huge spread guys would come over guess what the third and fourth district police district the cops would come over my father would fix their cars for nothing so he had carte blanche in the city then Christmas time, Mark, he had a huge spread. Christmas Eve, my brother, my brother, myself, my brother David and myself, we were old enough at the time. Whenever a, a policeman got too drunk, we would have to drive them home. So we had a big party Christmas Eve. These guys were off duty, though. When they were off duty, they would come and celebrate over Johnny's auto body. He had a big spread, whiskey, wine, uh, food. It was It was catered. It was amazing. Spent thousands of dollars just for an appreciation for everybody and his friends. So the shop was filled for, with about 50 to 75 people. My father, we would clean the shop, take all day, clean the shop, and by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, shut down for the party. And then, uh, basically, we'd, we'd party until like midnight. And in the meantime, my brothers and I would be the ones to take people who were drunk. You know, we were, we were like the yes, we were the Uber drivers. We were the taxi drivers to take them home. But uh, um, that's what that's and after that I just you know stayed in my father's shop, studied you know I, I I did the business with him, but studied acting at the Wilma Theater Institute, um, uh, some uh, uh, some professors of the University of the Arts, and then uh, basically I'm back and forth to New York for auditions, um, and then I moved to California for a while. Um, and then uh, when I came back, what brought you uh, out? What, I'm sorry. What, what brought you out to California? How did you get from Philly to California? Was it an opportunity you had, or yes. was it just a desire to move out west to the West Coast no. and see see what you could do with acting out there? 
1987, I caught a nice break uh, in a movie called The In Crowd, and, and I played Orson. Um, also, uh, I, I played the bodyguard to Joe Pantoliano. Uh, they call him Joey Pants. Uh, he was in uh, Sopranos, um, uh, yeah. Eddie and the Cruisers. He was in a lot of movies, Joey Pants. So well, we became most friends. recently uh, he was in he was in the amazing film Memento with Guy Pearce. Oh in, yeah, yeah. He was in yeah. Uh, Bad Boys. He plays the <laughs> captain in Bad yeah. Boys with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Yeah. yeah. So we became friends. So so Mark Mark Rosenthal hired me as Wilson in the crowd. We had the uh, uh, so so the crowd came out in 1988. It was a dance film and it starred. Um, uh, Jennifer Runyon and uh, Donovan, uh, Donovan Leach. Uh, remember the song they call me Mellow Yellow? Uh, yeah. that, that was that was his father, Donovan. So this was his oh. son, Donovan Leach. Yeah, and uh, Scott Plank, who, who who recently actually he passed away. He was a nice guy. But Mark Rosenthal and Larry Connor, who also wrote uh, some of the Sopranos episodes. And by the way, Ma- uh, Larry Connor is now writing with David Chase. Uh, the Princes of New York, uh, with uh, James Gandolfini's son uh, starring in it. Mm, okay. Uh, so Larry Connor. So the in crowd, um, the producer uh, uh, Keith Rubenstein said, "Why don't you come out to L.A. because you know we like what you're doing on the, on the film." Uh, they wrote me in uh, three more weeks because they liked my character with Joey Pants. So I was his sidekick, and I became friends with him and a great man named Bruce Kirby, uh, whose son is Bruno Kirby, who uh, was a great actor also. A lot of people know Bruno um, from City Slickers, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, and, you know, uh, When Harry Met Sally. But but the in crowd brought me to uh, Mark Rosenthal and Larry Connor. Uh, They asked me to come out to L.A., and I got an agent right away, Don Schwartz, a photographer, Don Lewis. And, um, you know, I did, I did some, uh, some plays out there and things like that and studied out there. But, uh, that's what brought me to LA in 1988. Um, so I got homesick. I wanted to come back to New York, Philadelphia. A family plus I fell in love with a beautiful woman who is now my wife, Maria. So, great that woman. Back home. Yes, great. She is. Amazing meatballs. That woman makes phenomenal. I actually think I <laughs> ate those meatballs off the floor of <laughs> your Nissan Pathfinder. <laughs> she can cook, can't she? She read that song. She's ugly, but she sure can cook. My wife's beautiful and can cook. So, I got my. She can cook. I, I got a winner. That woman. Yeah, yeah. That woman's got cooking chops. Yes. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Um, Anyway, we have uh, 20 people coming over for a dinner. If you want your wife, if you want to come, stop over. Anyway, um, but uh, <laughs> but that's what brought me back here. And then I did a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of indies. Um, I did about 17 indie films, and um, I basically I did uh, um, you know I, I, I did some uh, regional theater and. Um, um, uh, I did some plays, uh, Gift of Murder, Fool for Love, Savage in Limbo, Weight Room, Arriva Dolce Al Barrio, um, and these were done mostly in Philadelphia, some in uh, New York and some in uh, California. But um, I also was in a band, and I was a, I was a lead singer. 
which you know I I, I mean I love to, I love to sing, but acting is my passion, you know. So that's what brought me to L.A. And then she's what brought me back. Maria is the one that brought you back. Yeah, I got homesick for her, so I I I, I didn't uh, um, I didn't think it was more important to uh, stay out there than to come and have a life with her, you know. I think she's the most important thing to me, more than the business. Yeah, you know. Um, but um, then I got and I got some I got some nice work out here. Uh, Mafioso, the father, the son, um, and uh, you know we we won a, quite a few film festivals. Uh, I did two America's Most Wanted, uh, two Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, traveled a little bit uh, because you know as you know the business can can take you different places, you know, and, um, and I, I, you know, she, she, she says, well, you can be doing anything. Somebody calls you for an audition, you drop everything, you start studying, and you go, you know. So I'm basically in New York and in Philadelphia, so um, I'm considered um, a New York guy. But, you know, Philadelphia is a nice place to come back to. It's quieter. Uh and um, you know it's 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 a it's a mini New York to me, you know, and I love it. So you have 1984. You joined SAG, which right. means 84. What are we looking at? 25, uh, 35 years of SAG member. 30, 34 years, yes, yeah, something like that. 34 yeah. years of SAG member. Yeah. What was it that got you into SAG? What was that that golden ticket? Oh, and how I long did, did and how long? Not not just what 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 was the gig that got you what you needed to be to qualify for SAG. How long did it take you from the time you really started to put some uh, put your back into your craft and really start training and 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 taking classes and auditioning to the time you wrote that check and got your SAG card in the mail? Probably about eight years. I studied. Okay. I studied a long time. I went. I, I went to school after school after school. I, I studied. I studied with, you know, some great acting coaches, and uh, I studied in Philadelphia. I studied in New York City, which I still am. As you know, you know, I take Chaz's master class yep. uh, whenever I can, and uh, in, in in L.A. So I also studied with Bobby Moresco, who uh, uh, um, who won an Oscar for um, uh, Crash. He wrote it with Philip Paul Haggis, and Bobby Moresco has a great, great acting uh, school out there in uh, in L.A. So I studied with him, and I studied with Irene Beard here from University of the Arts, as well as many other many other instructors here. Um, but uh, Bobby Moresco uh, is one great acting coach and uh, a good man, um, um, and I. I uh, basically loved I love the art and but I love the study and uh that's that's what I that's what I um you know that's what I live for. I, I enjoy it. So it took you eight years to get from you so, know. Oh and, uh, okay oh so you asked me okay back to the question. How did I get my sad card? I, I did two episodes of the guiding light. Uh first I got my after card because that's what the American Federation tells the radio artists. So I got mm-hmm. Uh, I did two episodes of A Guiding Light, uh, two speaking parts. Okay, it was uh, uh, I'll never forget. It was great. You know, it was with Riva and Josh. That's that was oh my goodness, 
wow, I don't even remember the years, but it was in the uh, mid-80s. And then I did a I did a commercial on the radio, a voiceover, um, and then I and then I got my SAG card. And I think at that time, oh my goodness, I think it was like six hundred fifty dollars or something like that, which is a lot of money. Hey. Yeah. Fuck. I wrote. I think I wrote a thirty-two hundred dollar check for my, when I when I joined SAG, three thousand two hundred dollars, something like that. Okay, see, now my after card was like 375 and my SAC card was another 650 or something like that. So you had to buy And now they're merged. Now you, now you remember them both. Now I remember both. See, I got right. my, I got my, I, I started, like I said, uh, uh, Jesus, 1988, 89, right. I really started coming to New York on the weekend, on Saturdays. My right. mom, right. my grandmother taking, my father taking acting classes. I didn't get my SAD card until like 2013. Oh, okay, all right. So, so you've been so you've been a SAG member, you know, 35 years. It took me about 30 to get mine. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's all right. Yeah, no, it, took, it took me over 25 years. It took me over 25 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. When when you, when you have it, though, you have you know. I, and you know I'm proud so, to be a SAG member, and you know it's I am too. It's it's, it's it's a great business, and you know you meet a lot of great people. Look look at look at the way we found each other. We found each other through a oh. class, you know, jazz public theory's class, and yeah. um, and basically uh, uh, you 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 called me in to uh, you know you you said you liked what I did in the class, you know, uh, and uh, we started. Uh, filming the good fight what you wrote what you wrote i started uh you know studying that on on my vacation which you gave me too many lines but that's all right i love you anyway (laughs) you're probably the only actor i've ever known or have worked with who bitches about too many lines (laughs) no i love i love it i love it well you know i mean i i I love it i enjoy it i'm just breaking it for you but um but uh, what about what about a story about uh, how nice a man that Chaz Palminteri is? He he calls me at home after the second uh, in the I think we're in the second class, <clears throat> a second second master class. <clears throat> did you take the first class with us, or did I meet you in the second or third time I was there? Wow, oh, that I don't know. I don't know how many classes you took. Um, how many how many times you took his master class? I took his auditioning master class one time, and in that okay. class it was you, me, Mike Massimino, right, right. Um, Ileana, Ileana was there. Ileana was not there. Oh, okay, Ileana was another class with me. So Aileen, I, I think Aileen, Aileen was there. Aileen, Aileen Lange, okay, there. right, right. So, Aileen, so if um, right. Ileana, I met you were the, you were in that class as well. We met Ileana, yeah. so we met Mike in the auditioning class, the master class for auditioning. We yeah, met Ileana yeah. in the one man show writing class. That the writing, okay, right, right, got it, right. But um, you know, uh, then of course, um, Chaz Palminteri calls me, uh, and you know how nice a guy he is. He calls me. And he asked me if I like to read a script called Unorganized Crime. And uh, from that, you know, he put me in uh, from just from from the class. You know, he put me in as Tommy Marino. 
and um, you know, uh, uh, God bless him. And him and this guy, Kenny DeQuilla, who wrote Unorganized Crime, and now it won 29 film festivals uh, last year. And uh, I'm actually going to um, to the Spring Fest in Boston with Mike Massimino, and we're going to represent it uh, at a Q&A after the Boston International Film Festival. And, well, you definitely uh, got to let me know when that comes to New York. Yeah, and it should be in New York and Philadelphia area uh, between May 16th and 19th around that time. Um, so let me ask you this. So you get you got the call on Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, yeah. Was it on Thanksgiving Day? Like Chaz actually called you on the holiday itself? No, a couple of, day, a couple of days before. Marie and I were... A couple of days before Thanksgiving. Up. Yeah, yeah, a couple of days before the... the uh, 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 actually, she was vacuuming or something. I, I, I answered the phone. And I said, hello. He said, yeah, hello, Freddie? Yeah. I said, he said, this is Chaz Palminteri. I said, Chaz, how are you doing? <laughs> she, 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 she goes, she says, that's, that's Chaz talk, talk, talk to us. <laughs> he says, Freddie, yeah, I said, how you doing? I says, he says, you coming to class tomorrow? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, Chaz, why? He says, listen, you wrote this thing. Uh, called Unorganized Crime. I, I have a, a couple episodes. I'd I like to put you in the first episode. Now, I won't give it away, but he said something to me that struck me very funny, but he, uh, I won't say it because it's give, it'll give it'll give whatever in the plot away. But he, he said to me, uh, you read it, and he says, let me know if you want to play this guy, Tommy Marino. I mean, I'm, Chaz Palminteri calls me on my cell phone personally and asks me, if I want to get the, the role, I mean, of course, I'm going to jump at it and say, of course, I love to play, you know, but, I, you know, I played, of course, yeah, sure, I'll read it, you know, I'll talk to you tomorrow, yeah, okay, good, yeah. So he sends it over, I read it <clears throat> about five times that night, and I went in, and we talked the next next day, and, um, you know, lo and behold, about six months later, we, we do it, we, and we actually filmed it in L.A., so my wife came out there with me, we took a little uh, mini vacation, we saw the Kirby's, you know, and some friends, and uh, I did uh, I did two days, three, two or three days on unorganized crime. We did a reading, and then I worked two days on it, <clears throat> and it was great. And I got I, I got a nice guest star role out of it as Tommy Marino in Unorganized Crime. My friend Mike Massimino was also cast in that as well. Yes, yes, him and also Chelsea and that's gone, friends of ours. Yeah. And that has gone on to win twenty nine film festivals. 29 Film Festival Awards in 2018, and uh, it's now in the uh, tomorrow. To, uh, to, today it, sh- it was shown at the 2019 Beverly Hills Film Festival, and tomorrow at 7:30 p.m. it'll be shown at, and this will be in uh, Beverly Hills, California. So, uh, <clears throat> Kenny DeCola is out there, and by the way. Nick Balalanga is there also. Now, Nick wrote The Green Book, and he won two Oscars recently. Uh, I'm sure for The Green Book. The, for The Green Book. It's a, it's, a fan, it's, a, it's a great show, a great movie. Yep. You didn't see it. You have to see it. It's about his father, Tony Lip, uh, Tony Balalanga, who was uh, a driver for uh, Don Shirley, Dr. Don Shirley, who was a concert pianist, who actually lived above Carnegie Hall, true story. And Nick made tapes of them. And he interviewed them. He wrote this story, and it won, <clears throat> I think, uh, uh Ali won an, an Oscar for it, uh, his, his, his work as a, a supporting actor, and Nick won two Oscars, uh, for Best Picture and, uh, Best, uh, 
uh, screenwriting or something like that. So Nick, who directed Unorganized Crime for us, uh, also just won two Oscars. So we got a nice connection with that too. It's uh, it, it's uh, it's growing a lot of ways. This this Unorganized Crime with a lot of nice people behind it, with Chaz, Nick, Kenny, and uh, so it's nice to take that ride, you know. Sure. Now let me ask you. You were saying Guiding Light in the eighties. Okay. Right. You just right. went. You just recently. What was that? Two and a half years ago, you did an organized crime. Two years ago. Yes, two years ago. So two years ago, you're back on the West Coast, acting back on the West Coast for the first time. Right. That's the first right. time since you moved back east. Yes. Okay. So you're back on the West Coast, working, filming, acting. Right. Right. The first time since your guiding light days. Okay. What was it like? Yeah. Well, you know what it is like. I'm I'm very fascinated anyway, and I'm sure there's, you know, if there's any aspiring actors or directors or filmmakers, writers, whatever that listen to the show, I'm sure they've wondered this as well. Um, I've always been very fascinated with how the business was run back then. I mean, today everybody walks around with you know virtually a computer in our pockets. You know, we have email at our fingertips, text messaging at our fingertips. Our agents, our managers, publicists, our representation could reach out to us in in, in a moment's notice. Uh, first AD can contact us and give us the breakdown of when we need to report to set when we do book something. You know, what was it like prior to to the technology we have today? You know, trying to grind, trying to break into this business and not having the tools that we have today to make us reachable anywhere we are in the world. Like, how was it for you in the 80s? Let's go through that process a little bit and how you would get notified of an audition. Or, you know, because today it's like, you know, my manager reaches out to me and says, "Uh, Mark, I got an audition for you on uh, Monday. I emailed you the size. Okay, great. Right. What well, was it like then? Was it was it Freddie? I have an audition for you next. You know, today's Friday. I have an audition for you next Thursday. Was there a larger window uh, of opportunity because there was such a, uh, a shortened way of um, accessibility? Yeah, I'll tell you. First of all, Mar, let's go back to the accessibility, which was an answering service. No one would contact you directly in the beginning. You sent out your photo resume, or you'd walk the beat. I'd walk into the casting director's offices, walk into agents' offices with my hard copy photo and resume, hand it to them, or slide it under the door, or do a mailing. I would mail. I would just do snail mail, which was fast. At that time. Yeah. That's, that's, all, that's all we had. Um, that's how it was when I first service. moved to New York, too. Everything right. was snail right. mail when I first moved to snail New York. Snail mail. And, and the thing is, there was, there was an answering service that you had to put on your resume. The agent would contact the answering service. The answering service would contact you, and then you call the uh, agent directly. That's how they got in contact with you. Now, oh, wow. So, so you never you, – so when, when would you actually speak to your agent then? I would, speak to the, I would speak to my agent after the answering service contacted me and said, hey, you know, uh, so it's, uh, for instance, the Mary Ellen White Agency hired me for a big print ad. It was in Sports Illustrated, and it was in the New York Times. Um, and, and I played a mechanic, and uh, that was my first 
nice print job. Um, I got I got paid uh, six hundred dollars for three hours work. I thought it was amazing, and it was in nineteen eighty six. Eighty six, wow. something like that, right? Uh, so, uh, and, and uh, it was Muriel and White Agency. It was a big agency then. So they contacted me. My answer service says, "Call this not you know, call Muriel and White Agency." And uh, she answered, and she says, "Freddie, yes, uh, I want to send you on this audition, uh, you know, in the city." And I always had, a, of course, a New York answering service. Um, so you know, you always get them out of New York. And basically, um, that's how you got contacted, and that's how you call the agent. You wouldn't uh, casting their casting directors at the time; they were way in the back in the background. It was the only agent to contact you. There was no actors access casting. There was nothing like that. So, sure. Well, you didn't have internet. Oh, yeah. Right, you didn't have internet, so you would only go through an agency. And if you didn't have an agent, then you have to go struggle to get an agent because. The casting directors would not call you directly for the most part. So they cast in something, and that's where you wanted to really, really you really needed to uh, press the flesh and get in touch and have relationships and get connected. And, you know, basically, if you didn't have an agent, you can ask somebody, can you time me with your agent or at least, you know, uh, let me know who your agent is. Or what I'd do is I would get the Ross Reports. Years ago, it was called the Ross Reports. It's a book, and... You would send a photo, your photo and resume, and a cover yeah. letter uh, through an eight through an eight by ten. And I would an eight by ten. I always use white envelopes to stand out, and I would send them to uh, you know I would do like maybe ten agents a week, um, you know every other week. <clears throat> I would spend, I would I, I'll tell you I would spend a thousand up to maybe maybe up to a, could be up to two thousand dollars if I was also getting uh, photos done. You know, they would give you a larger window. Yeah, Mark, you, you would basically have two or three days to get uh, to the audition. Um, sometimes, once in a great while, it was like like the next day. But a lot of times you would have the option, actually, of going on a certain day or, you know, or you have the option of going two days. It was a little different back then. Um, of course, there weren't as many of us around, so... Um, basically, you had, had a two or three day window to get to the audition. So if you couldn't make it Monday, Tuesday might be an option for you to go right, because you right. didn't have that instant. You didn't have that instant connection. Yeah, and you know it would be different than today. Today, with the self tapes and with the auditions, it's it's easier to get them in faster, get them in sooner, so they look at like that. As opposed to years ago, you like to go a little later because they're, they're, you're more fresh in their minds as, as yes. they would look at the tapes later. So it's, it's a little, it worked a little backwards years ago. However, uh, when you got in, um, you got in and you made a nice connection. Um, they, they, gave, they gave you more time. Uh, today, today it seems that, um, I don't know, there's everybody and anybody wants to be in this business, but, you know, not, not everybody is a true studied actor you know it's a you know a seasoned actor but basically that's what i did and uh i really it's it was much it's so much easier today the kids the young people or people just starting out don't know how easy they have it as opposed to you know 25 years ago but it's still a great oh business. even 10 years ago 15 yeah. years ago 
Yeah. We were still yeah. mailing out headshots and resumes, packing manila envelopes with cover letters and licking stamps and, yeah. you know, wasting hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And, and, and more often than not, your headshot was probably getting thrown in a wastebasket because these people weren't even taking submissions. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, so you, whoever does decide to break into the business nowadays definitely has it a whole hell of a lot easier than we had it when we were breaking in. And oh, yeah. again, I mean, you know, you you broke in much earlier than me, but I yeah. I broke in on the tail end of that. You know, like when I broke into the right. business and moved to New York City. I didn't have a computer, you know, like a computer right. wasn't a staple in your home like it is today. It wasn't a necessity. So I would, and and you probably remember this, I would every week go to Kinko's. I would go to Kinko's all the time. I was, I would remember Kinko's? Kinko's. I would <laughs> you Kinko's remember Kinko's? If, if I was in New York City, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I think there's one of 46th Street, there's one of 44th. There was, I, I knew where every Kinko's was. I knew where they all were. See, see, see how I know where every Starbucks is now, Mark? I'm, you know, I, I, I let Starbucks go. See how I know where every Starbucks is? I know where every Kinko's yeah. is. <clears throat> to copy them, cut them, oh. and staple them, you know. So basically, I, I, I knew where every Kinko's was. I was always there. I would go to Kinko's every week, and I would type yeah. up cover letters for whatever casting directors, agents, or managers I was submitting headshots to that week. Yeah, and I would make that, that, tons that, of resumes, you know, yeah. tons of copies of resumes. You know, now it's a much different, now it's a much different business. I mean, it's, it's definitely more to the advantage of the artist. Although, I will say this, I do not like self-tape. I uh, wish I they would it. do away with that. Like I know. They, for uh, me, I find it to be to be so counterproductive. Me it's too. So I'm awkward that. filming myself. I know. You know what I mean? I know. Like, let me, let me, I know. And, and the surprise is now they're saying that you know, that could be a, a wave, a big wave of the future for actors. You remember back in the day, video dating? Video dating? Yeah, I never did, but yeah, yeah. No, right, right. But you remember it was this big craze in the 80s, the love connection, and that's what I I feel like one of those putts is. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I I self-tape, I feel like one of those assholes that are putting themselves on tape to find love, I feel like that asshole (laughs) who's putting himself on tape pining after the next acting job. I'm just very awkward, very uncomfortable. I never book anything that I self-tape, ever. I have never, ever booked a single thing I've ever self-taped. Neither have I, neither have I, not yet, but, but listen, <clears throat> do it with joy because it's going to start to come about more and more. And let me tell you something, I just took, I took a nice, uh, a good course, an online course, and they say two things. It's about lighting, right? And it's about the audio. So well, I want to make sure. Like these casting directors I, expect you to go out. You know, listen, you and I, you know, we live outside New York City. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we have space to work with. Most yeah. aspiring actors in New York City live in a studio apartment. Like, they don't have room to hold sound equipment and lighting equipment and tripods to prop up to right. film themselves in the best fucking possible way so that they could get the job. Like, that, for right. me, that's just unrealistic. I know. You know what I mean? I know. Now, look, you know, they're, they're I, much right. better performance. Yeah, now Monday I went to uh, Cindy Tolan's office and uh, for the Marvelous yeah. Mrs. Maisel, and there were about 20 of us there. I loved it. There were a whole bunch of actors there. It was like, it's like everybody's casting. casting director now? For the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, yeah. 
Cindy Cohen. When I read She's for a, it, when when Mike, I'm sorry to cut you off. When Mike and I auditioned for it, it was Meredith Tucker. Oh no! Now it's Cindy Tolan. He's been there. He, he knows Cindy Tolan and Cindy and Samantha and uh, uh, um, Marie and I took a ride in. And uh, then after that, we went to that great restaurant, Union Square Cafe. It was great. <clears throat> I recommend it highly. We went there. It's, it's nice to go face to face. Talk. You know, I, I go in there. I was in there. Hey, Freddie, how are you? Blah blah blah. You know, you talk. You have somebody there. And, talk, and I said, the first thing I, I asked, because you can have fun with me. I said, listen, how much fun can I have with this? She said, well, you know, you can't do a lot of improv, but you can have fun with it. And I enjoyed myself, you know, and, and they'll give you well, a Well, because you're in the company, because you're yeah. in the company of professionals. You know, right, you're, they're you're, guiding you. You know, it's, it's very, whenever I go on an audition, they ask you, uh, all right, Mark, do you have any questions about the sides? Right. When I'm self taping right. Yeah. I, who, who am I asking these questions? Who are you going to ask? That's the first thing she says, you have any questions? And that's what I said. I says, how much fun can I have with this? You know, and then, you know, uh, how, how tight's my shot? You know, uh, how much movement can I bring to this? You know, this is comedy. So comedy, comedy, comedy brings movement more than, uh, drama. And, you know, with comedy, you have to remember at the end of your, your tag or your line, you know, you, 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 you're, you're, they're, they're holding you, uh, for that last, last piece because that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the funny part. That's, that's where, you know, the comedy comes in. The last look, and it, with a self tape, it just—it just doesn't. I know it's just it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel right. It, it's hard. You have to get the. I mean, there's a little shortcut. They—they they, they say they make sure you're next to a. Uh, if you don't have any lighting, make sure you do it in the daytime next to a window, an open window where you get a lot of light flooding in and a nice gray background. Right. If you have a little studio apartment, and you know, I—I I do most of them on my iPhone. I, I do them on my iPhone, and they come out real well. But, you know. Right. Uh, you know. I, well, so I, I know Ileana does it with her iPhone, too. That's what I do. Did you, um, yeah, is that what you do, Mark? You, you do that, too? Yeah. I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I do everything on yeah. my, my smartphone. I, yeah. I I mean, it's you, you really have no choice because right. to, film it, to film it with a DSLR camera and lighting and sound, now you're requiring editing. You're requiring any, right. Plus, now you got to upload all these files into a computer that's fast enough to edit. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a very, it's a very high expectation. Right. And, you know, and who wants to buy a twelve hundred dollar camera? You know, I mean, they have them cheaper now, four or five hundred, but, you know, you're getting into that, then you get into kind of a mic, even if it's not a lava layer, you're going to have a boom mic type of a, you're coming into a lot of money. I mean, I have a tripod and I have some lighting now, but, you know, it can cost people a lot of money who don't have the money, you know? So it's uh, it's crazy. Also, I want to tell you a story coming from, you asked me how is it going back from New York to L.A. to do this after all these years. Let me tell you a little story uh, real fast, okay? Sure. So I go to, um, uh, we go to L.A., and um, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, Joe Rufo, who's been living out there for almost 20 years, he said, uh, let's go to Bob's Big Boy, the original Bob's Big Boy um, in uh, Burbank. We, we now, Bob's Big song. Boy has been in about 30 different movies. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, um, yes, yes. so It's a landmark anyway, so, out there in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drew Carey, all those guys, they, they all go out there. So it's a great spot. Another great place is Patty's. It's my wife's favorite spot. That's, that's, that's in Toluca Lake. What a great spot that is. 
patties. Right. Anyway, listen to this. I filmed the in crowd in Philadelphia. Mark Rosenthal, Larry Connor. I filmed the, the in crowd in Philadelphia in 1987. Came out in 88. Now, mind you, it's 2017. We're filming unorganized crime in L.A., right? 30 years later. Uh, right, 30 years later. Okay, you ready for this one? You couldn't write this. I'm at the counter sitting with Joe Rufo where we had a cheeseburger. This young girl, I would say she's about 24, 25 years old. She's waiting on us. Back and forth, back and forth. Ready to get her coffee. And Joe says, Fred, what's this girl looking at you for? She's looking. She's going down and she said something and she's looking at you. I don't worry about you. I think she likes you. She wants to. I said, Joe, I, I could be her father. She's looking at me. She's giving me, she's ready to give me the check. I said, I'll take the check. She says, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. Did you play Orson in the in crowd? Joe Rufo looked at me. I almost fell off the boot. The girl's 24 years old. I said, wait a minute. What? She says, she said, did you play Orson in the in crowd? That's exactly she. I says, yeah. I said, you know, we did that in 1987. It came out in 88. She says, my father, my mother watches it twice a week at least. She says, I know you by name. I know who you are. She says, I can't wait to tell my mother that you came in here. She says, my mother watches it like uh, it's yesterday. I said, are you kidding? Really? Yeah, yeah. She noticed me. 30 from, years later, you got recognized for it. Her, her, mother, her mother still watches the in crowd, faithful. She says, it's, well, it's, it's a cult movie. It, it's out on all different channels. But, yeah, so 30 years wow. later, this girl 30 years who wasn't later, even born. In a diner. With a girl who wasn't even born when I did it, comes up to me and says, are you, were you Orson, are you Orson in the in crowd? I said, yeah. Yeah, how do you like that? She worked at Bob's wow. Big Boy Band account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You, you honestly, dude, you never know who you're gonna impact or resonate with. Like I, you know, I, no. I, as you know uh, very well, I just did my one man show this past week, and uh, yeah. I had the opportunity to do it at my old high school. It was um, a fundraiser for the drama department. Uh, one of which I was very, very heavily involved with when I when I was in high school, and um, and after the show, you know, and it's my good, it's the good fight one version of the the one man show version of the film we did, the good fight, yeah, that I had written, yeah, yeah. and um, and for those who are listening that don't know exactly what the good fight is, it's a story about a gay boxer that has the chance to create history in the professional boxing world. And being the first openly gay contender and all the life struggles that come with it. And I performed it on stage and it was about an hour and 22 minutes long, somewhere around there, uh, straight through, no intermission. One man show, me, five characters. I played Vinny, I played Jake, I played Fitz, I played Bobby, I played Grace. The end. And, right. um. You sort of did what Chaz does in the one man show, uh, Bronx Tale. Yeah, uh, except Chaz does like 17 characters. Well, seventeen. Okay, he does a few more than you, but you did, you did, you know, you did the same type. Yeah, same type. And after the show, uh, introduced himself and his boyfriend to me, and uh, he shook my hand and said, uh, "He goes, I just want to thank you so much for the very positive representation of the situation that you performed on stage." Oh, well, I see. You made a difference there. You know what I'm saying? You never know who you're going to no. touch, who you're going to reach, who you're going to resonate no. with. And, and that's why I love you know, this business. That's why we do that, this. I was just going to say. That's why that's we do why this. That's why I do this. 
That's it's, it's yeah. so it's so great. Like if if they were, it wouldn't have mattered to me at that point when he came up to me. If they were right. the only two fucking people in that entire seven hundred seat auditorium, right? They were the only two who had bought a ticket, and he came up to me afterwards and greeted me the same way. It still would have been worth it. Like, how does it make you feel? You know, it makes you feel. Yeah, like, like it really, know. truly, you know, makes you feel yeah. like. Like, like you can make a difference. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, you know, it's the it's the love of the art that that makes us keep going back to it. Not, not, not the fame, the fortune, or anything like that. It's it's that's not what it's about. That if that comes, God bless. That's a wonderful thing. But it's just a an amazing feeling to get up there and create. And when people are touched by that. You know, uh, Maria was, uh, my wife was a teacher for, you know, 25 years. And, you know, every once in a while, she, there, there's, there's someone on Facebook or, or a student will see, uh, we, may, we even met a student of hers in Aruba. It's amazing. But there are, there are people that she has touched. And to this day, they, they just, you know, at one, one actually has three restaurants. Um, uh, Rocco, uh, um, he, he owns a, a couple little places and, one on in Philadelphia here, and uh, he uh, accredited her for basically helping him uh, throughout his life. And um, she's, uh, you know, never making a difference from him going from, you know, doing nothing to making something of himself. So when we make that kind of a difference, even to one person, and like you said, this this guy and his boyfriend, that's uh, it, it, it's it's a. a it's a beautiful feeling for you, you know, and that yeah, definitely touched them. And, and, you know, look at this girl that saw me. She saw me in the in-crowd, and she's talking. Um, you know, thank God, maybe I didn't change that much in 30 years, but she noticed me, but she says, you know, I love that show. My mother loves it. My mother loves that, you know, and so it, you know, makes somebody, it gets you away from the reality and makes you feel good for a while, and it gives you some yep. joy and happiness, you know. Yes, no, and and the fact that and and you don't look, you you don't look like you've changed all that much in all those years. Yeah, thanks. to be quite honest with you, you you God bless you. You look you you look the same. Yeah, and thank you, and and look at the people you meet. Like I did the an episode of the Deuce, James Franco, nice guy. Julia Louis Dreyfus would be nice. I mean, you you you're with uh, you know you did Blacklist. Uh, I, I, that's the show I want to get on. I mean, you did you did Blacklist for a week. It was, uh, you know, what a great experience that was. You know, yeah, I did it six weeks. Six weeks. I was in three oh, episodes. Wow. Ten days. Oh, that's right. Show. That's right. That's right. Well, I was contracted for. Uh, I was contracted on Blacklist for three episodes. I was given a, a five day guarantee for each episode. So oh, nice. that was 15, 15 days of filming, but then you got to oh, factor nice. in wardrobe fittings and shit like that. So probably, right, right, right. probably close to three weeks. Yeah, right, right. I'll tell you one thing I want to do, you, you and I. I think you know, although we love film and everything, I, I, theater is still. I love. I would love to do a theater piece, and we talked about doing of mice and men. I think one day yes, we should did. talk about doing that. You know what I mean? I would love to do that because there's that actually, some incredible highs and lows in that in that in that uh, play. 
that actually just crossed my mind over the weekend when I was wrapping up my, my one-man show. You know, I always forget how powerful it is to be on stage oh, until I've just amazing. gotten off stage, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and I like, you know, my focus is so much on film and television and the Good Fight movie and killing in the name of and, and writing my own shit and, and figuring out how to get it off the ground. Like, I, I always forget how powerful it is to be on stage until I until yeah. I, I step yeah. off of it. And Saturday right. night when right. I when I was done with the performance, you know, I, I was traveling back to New York City. It actually had crossed my mind, Mice of Men, what we had talked about again and how how awesome it would be to actually do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, let's maybe we should that revisit that. Yeah, we should. We should and, and definitely basically yeah, but I would love to, uh, you know, I mean, the Good Fight the trailer that we did, and I, I appreciate you hiring me for that. That was a beautiful experience. You're you're an incredible writer, prolific writer, and I love, I, I can't wait to do Killing in the Name of with you. Uh, I think it's going to oh, be great. Thank you very much. You're a very talented, you're a very talented individual yourself, which is why I was thrilled when you said you were going to be on board. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and we've, we've been very lucky, though, too, Freddie, because... You know, we met in Chaz's class, Chaz Palminteri's right. class. And, right. You know, months and months and months went by. I, if I'm not mistaken, that that class was when was his first class? November or April? I think it was April. It was April. I'm pretty sure it was April. So April. Then. No, he, no, it was no. Like I, was no, no. If it, it was probably November because you called me in May. Right? Because I didn't see you. No, no, I didn't call you in May. I, I, we started filming it in March. Oh, we started in March? No, I'm talking about the year. But wasn't it... But wait, we were in, I was in Aruba in, in May, and I think... No, I think that was in Aruba in April. You were in, I April? think it was Aruba in April. I think I reached out to you in March after how five, six months where we, we hadn't even spoken to each other. You know, we, we all said goodbye after the class, and that was it. And yeah, I, yeah. I put this together, you jumped out at me, and you know, thinking right, right. who I know that I could reach out to, and and we were just classmates. We we there was no relationship there. No, not and at all. No. I remember. I I remember. I reached out to you via Facebook, and we we spoke on the phone, and I pitched yeah, the concept. Yeah. You asked to read the script, and you actually read the script while you were in Aruba, oh. and we started filming when you came back. Right. 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 I was actually, I was, I was reading it while I was on vacation and I was experimenting how to make my hair gray. So I was putting baby powder on my hair. Yeah. I'm saying to Maria, I said, babe, does my hair look gray? She says, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to make it gray a little bit because I'm looking, you know, I want to make myself look a little older. She said, ah, she looks pretty good with gray hair. So I was sending you photos of gray, my hair with Johnson's baby powder on my hair. And that's how I made my gray hair. That's my secret. Right. Let me let me yeah. let me. God bless Maria. Let me just say that because she puts up yes. with a lot of shit between the two. She's of She's amazing. Uh, between your wife and my wife, I told them, you know, if if, if they don't go to heaven, there should be an investigation. And I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for sharing all your experiences and your wisdom and you know everything uh, that you do with our audience. I appreciate you coming on the show, Freddie. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And and I have uh, one more thing to say. Yes. I'm a faithful guy, and I trust God for everything. And uh, in my life, I put God first. And, you know, I believe he puts all of us together who should be put together 
and I believe he put us together to carry this uh, uh, situation through these 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 writings that you're doing and producing that we do and and our acting. So you know you're my brother in in Christ. So I, God bless you, and I love you for that. I, I agree. I love you too, man. Thank you. Having you having you in my life over these these last couple of years has really kind of. Uh, made me zero in and focus more on being creative in writing and um yeah and you know not just so much focusing on auditioning and getting in front of the right people but kind of doing my part on the side as well to try and make things happen uh outside of the conventional way so uh doing that you know you're a hard worker you're a hard you're a very hard worker and i love it thank you mark appreciate thank you for that no no thank you now, is there is there any uh, any of these people want to look you up? They want to follow you. What's your Instagram? Your Twitter? Yeah, my Twitter is at Fred, at Freddie Gano. Facebook Freddie Gano. Uh, my Instagram is also F Gano. Um, you can see uh, you catch me on the IMDb Pro or IMDb um, FreddieGano dot com. I have a website. You can awesome. see my reel and awesome. Awesome, right, guys, now. you heard it from him. Make sure you look him up. Make sure you follow him. And make sure you keep up with what it is he's doing next. Freddie, thank yep. you so much. I appreciate welcome, your time. And we'll talk soon. All right, Mark. Take care, and I'll see you. I'll let you know when Unorganized Crimes come to New York. And uh, follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook uh, for uh, uh, the good fight and, of course, killing you in the name of. That's what we'll be, we'll be doing next, right? That's what we're going to be working on next, my friend. Looking forward to it. Time, my brother. You got it. God bless you. All right, Mark. God bless you. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, guys. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of The Rise. I want to once again thank my friend, Freddie Gano. Uh, He is my creative partner, my developmental partner. We brainstorm a lot, bounce a shit ton of ideas off one another. Very talented individual. I want to thank him for his time, all of his insight on the business, little history lesson of what it was like back in the day. Uh, before we were blessed with the technology we currently have at our disposal. I want to thank him again for his time. Very influential human being, very inspirational, very faithful, uh, has really kind of driven it home with me in terms of uh, me being more creative and focusing my attention on other things that will help me pave the way to my final endgame. Thank you very much, Freddie. You guys could follow Freddie Gano on Twitter. Uh, that's at Freddie Gano. You can look him up on Instagram at F Gano. If you guys are interested in all of his screen credits throughout his 35 years as a Screen Actors Guild member, you could go ahead and you could check him out on imdb.com uh, simply by searching Freddie Gano. Same with Facebook. Search Freddie Gano. Come up on his profile. Click that follow button so you could keep up to date on what it is he's working on uh, now and in the future. You can also check him out on www.freddygano.com. That's his own personal website where you can go ahead and see clips of everything he's done and watch his reel. So thank you once again, Freddie. Truly, truly appreciate it. Guys, little announcement. Just want to let everybody know this is going to be the last uh, episode that we air on Saturday. The Rise Moving Forward will be released on Tuesdays from now on. Uh, so Tuesday mornings, you guys could click on whichever platform you choose to listen to your favorite podcasts on, and you can go ahead and you could search The Rise, and 
new episodes will be up and running uh, Tuesday mornings from now on, from this day forward. This will be the last episode we uh, distribute on a Saturday. So moving forward, Tuesdays, The Rise, guys, make sure you go ahead and you can follow me, Mark Basil. Uh, you can follow me, your host, on Instagram at mdbasil. You can also follow me on Facebook simply by searching uh, Mark Basil. You can look my credits up as well if you're interested on IMDB as well, guys. Feel free to reach out to me. Uh, leave comments on whatever posts you find on social media pertaining to the podcast, guys. We are growing each week. Our following is growing each week. We, uh, Our listenership is growing each week. Uh, as I mentioned in last week's episode, we recently got our analytics. We're on all four corners of the world now, guys, from the United States to the UK, from France to Belgium. We even dropped line in Australia, Sweden, and Canada as well, guys. So we are we are growing. Our audience is growing, which is very exciting for me. And I'm very curious, guys, as to how far we could get this, how far our reach could be globally. I cannot thank each and every one of you enough tuning in every week for subscribing and downloading as you do it's with your help guys that i was able to reach all these different countries very excited to see how far that how far this podcast could go very excited to see how long of a reach we can actually get and how big we together can grow our audience so thank you guys once again make sure you subscribe and download keep in mind moving forward tuesdays is when the new episodes are going to drop down on your favorite podcasting platforms Go ahead and search The Rise, Mark Basil, whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast on. Don't forget to subscribe and download, guys, because you don't want to miss a single episode, because The Rise is only going to get better.
Welcome to The Rise. I'm your host, Mark Basil. This is the podcast 